The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. Sissy, I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Mary Lassiter. Um, Mary and I met in graduate school. Do you remember, Mary, the first time we met? Yes, 1989 in a special ed law class. Okay, yeah. Dr. Vlasic. With Dr. Vlasic, yeah. Dr. Vlasic, oh my gosh. Yes. And um, Mary was, I had um, a a research grant um, at U of H, my master's program, and Mary was my grant grant director. Is that what it was called? Administrator. Mm-hmm. Grand administrator. We've been fast friends for a really long time. I've watched her daughter grow up. I've watched her grandson growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done lots of trips together for for school, lots of trips for pleasure. Mary lives in Victoria with her husband, Randy, and they are just two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I always have been. So welcome, Mary. Well, thank you, Susan. I'm glad to be here. And it's good thank to meet you. Sissy. Very nice yeah. to meet you. Very nice. Yeah, it's been fun. So um, you and I were talking last month over the phone and you were telling me about some of the cool things that's happening at U of H Victoria. And we thought maybe you'd want to share about some of the programs and different things that you've got going on. Yeah, well, uh, to give you a little background, uh, when I moved back to Victoria about 13 years ago, can you believe it's been 13 years? No. (laughs) I moved back to Victoria um, that uh, started working at UH Victoria just doing adjunct work and teaching special ed graduate courses. And um, in the course of that, they have since developed an ABA program and along with a really expanded autism program. So there's different options when they come on, when a graduate student wants to go into special ed, they can do ABA, they can do an autism, they can do just good old special ed, then they have, we have our diagnostician program as well. So, um, yeah, that's really exciting because we also, uh, our former dean who's since retired, Dr. Fred Litton, and a colleague wrote a big five-year grant that paid for everything for those students to go to school, wow. get their, get their uh, degrees in autism. Um, it was an autism grant, but a lot of the same courses could dovetail over and they a lot of them stayed on to get their ABA and um yeah it was a full ride scholarship wow I think they had about over the course of the year they would interview and we had at least 20 students a year go through the program over five years so that was over 100 new master's teachers instead that's fantastic one of the things about this program it's all online so there were students from all over the U.S. because it wasn't didn't deal with certification. Oh, you know, because you know how it is in Texas. You just, you can you finish your uh, initial certification. You just sign up, take the certification exam if you've had the coursework or not. Yeah, led, which is a little annoying uh-huh. because uh, you know that was at a time that was a, an actual degree. Have your yeah. undergrad teaching degree in special ed, but now it's a supplementary beyond your uh, EC6 or 4A degree, depending on what what area you're going into. And Mary, what are you doing at the university now? 
Well, you know, I kind of, uh, when Susan and I were in grad school, I was in curriculum and instruction, but I did it with a special ed flavor. All my coursework was kind of looking at, well, how does this work with students with disabilities, with my models of teaching courses and so forth, and how that would work with including kids. Um, it really turned out to be quite beneficial to me. Yeah. Um, but I was a, a we call it CNI dog. I was a curriculum instruction CNI is what it was called. And um, I met Susan, who was in the Ed Psych program. And um, but I finished my degree in CUIN. But because I have so many sped heavy graduate courses and doctoral courses, I can do either one. So at the university, I teach the job that came open was for curriculum instruction and doing research, <laughs> teaching research classes. And um, so I was, um, I teach mainly instructional design, and we also have a, uh, a post-baccalaureate teacher certification program at the university called VOICE, Victoria Online Initial Certification in Education, that's what it stands for. Uh-huh. And uh, it's a program that they can also get their master's along with their teacher cert. And um, that way, I taught all those courses that were in there, they're mainly you know, human growth and learning and models of teaching. Um, and what's your title? Are you the associate dean? Yeah, I'm the interim associate dean right now. Um, I was appointed over right as, you know, the COVID started a year ago, August. So I'm, I'm going into my second year as associate dean. And uh, it's interesting. I have a fireman's hat on my door. I feel like I put out a lot of fires. And uh, so it's kind of that uh, situation, very administrative, but I still teach a class. In fact, I teach one today at four o'clock. Oh, good. Uh, My uh, instructional design class and it's face to face. Nice. Yeah, I love it. See, Mary's also an artist. And I don't know if you can tell in the background, but she's got that beautiful piece of art that she created in college. Yeah, I did that back at UT when I was studying art. I have a bachelor's degree in uh, fine arts and teacher ed secondary. You've done a beautiful piece for me as well. Um, so, Sissy, before Mary was at in, in Victoria, she was obviously in Houston because we went to the University of Houston. And you worked, Mary worked for Region 4 mm-hmm. Education two Service years. Center mm-hmm. for how long? I did. I worked there for two years and then uh, I was in special ed department in, at uh, Region 4. And then I started my own company with two other lovely ladies, Dr. Marlene Johnson and Mary Fitzgerald. Yes. I went to LR Consulting. Yeah. Yeah. And we were in business for 10 years. And we, um, our main focus turned out to be paraeducator training. Yeah. So we developed the Lifeline series for paraeducators. And uh, that's since been taken over by LRP Publications out of Florida. And it's been, they've been reworked and they've been retitled. So um, we've, I've got 2020 editions out now. Oh, wow. And, um, but uh, one of the things that we did, and Susan was involved in this, we were, we applied for and received a five-year inclusion grant through, um, oh my goodness, I'm trying, I'm blanking out on the name, um, Gosh, <laughs> I don't remember either. Yeah, it was uh, it was through um, uh, MHMRA. Oh, the Harris Center? Not the Harris Center. It was there. It was out of Austin, and it was a big five year grant. It was a million two over five years, and we uh, 
They gave it to us and then we turned them down because they wanted us to do it a different way. And we said, no, we're going to do it our way. And they said, okay. So what we ended up doing was focusing in on, uh, there are five consultants, uh, Chris Hess, Susan Catlett, and Marion, Marlene, and I, and we each took five campuses and we worked at studying these middle school campuses on how they were including students with developmental disabilities. That was Texas Council for Developmental Disabilities. It finally came to me and um, out of Austin. And um, we worked together for five years on that grant. And we were able to, first year was look at all the different inclusive ed programs across the United States. Wow. So we used, uh, used that time to go and visit campuses all over the U.S. Okay. Yeah. yeah so that was kind of an exciting uh, piece because um, that was when No Child Left Behind uh-huh. hit. And that changed everything. Then they started paying attention to us because uh, they wanted to know how are we going to include all these students in general ed. Yeah. And uh, so it really turned out to be um, not just students with developmental disabilities. We're looking across the whole, all of them. <laughs> you yeah. know, how, how are we going to make this work and help you do this? And some exciting stuff. And we did a big report and gave it to TEA. One of the cool things that came out of my role in that was the peer support program. I learned a lot about the yes. peer buddies, or not peer buddies, but peer support programs. Mm-hmm. And then um, I learned a lot about co-teaching and what it is and what it's not. Exactly. <laughs> co-teaching was was huge. And that has since followed me because I did, um, I worked with another colleague, uh, Dr. Tracy Knickerbocker, mm-hmm. and uh, we uh I was, she had a big, um, where they were looking at how to include students on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. uh, in Colleen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. I got to spend a lot of time in classrooms observing some really strong co teachers, which cool. was. It's an amazing thing to watch happen when it's right. Um, yes. I, I had the beautiful opportunity to work as a pre- uh, working with preschoolers with disabilities and a preschool teacher, the two of us together. It was so much fun. And the kids yeah. made amazing gains. It was really yes. wonderful. Yes. Mary, yes. do you remember um, when I worked as a data collector on your research project in grad school? Was that your doctoral dissertation? Yes. Yes. It was on video modeling, sissy. Yeah, this is the title, uh, Sissy. The title was um, Using Self as a Model on Video to Teach uh, Teenage Boys with Autism Self-Help Skills During In-Home Training. (laughs) (laughs) The longest title, but it had to capture all those specific elements so you could find it if you were researching Self as a Model on Video. It was so much fun so much it fun. really was <laughs> and so the result fun. of the and the result of the uh, research oh it was fantastic because um you know these the I only had two um I had two participants it was a multiple baseline study and we had two training tasks and then two tasks we were observing to see if the students would pick up you know yeah. the gain the momentum and and start it and yeah they got obsessed with the time uh-huh. And it was task-interfering behaviors that we were trying to eliminate and increase their speed and accuracy, their fluency on the uh, on the different skills, which happened to be shaving, one with a razor and one with an electric razor, and uh, making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, and making his bed, right? Wasn't one of them making his bed? 
Yes, making his bed and hanging up his uh, his Boy Scout uniform. So, Sissy, I don't know that we've ever talked ever told you this story, but we'll just call him Tommy. Um, Tommy was a young man who could multiply to the millions when he was three, four, three or four years old. But he slept in his closet for the first like seven years of life because he was so sensitive to the um, the crickets and the cicadas and all of that outside. And um, I was collecting data on the the shaving and the making the bed. And I remember the first time I walked up, you know, I was probably I was in my 20s and I didn't know any better and I didn't know about auditory sensitivities. And so I walked up and his his big one was not volume. It was the sound of people's lips smacking together. <laughs> and so I remember I walked up um, stairs and they were from a very financially advantaged home. And so his bedroom was like at the end of the hall. And I remember I walked up the stairs and I was chewing double mint gum. And I remember he said, are you chewing gum just to annoy me? And I was like looking around, looking around because I couldn't see him. It was like the Wizard of Oz. He was back in his room. <laughs> and I was like, no. He goes, there's a trash can in the bathroom on your right. And I was like, okay. <laughs> he was Wait a fascinating young man. He's probably in his 40s now. I love that kid. He was just amazing. Uh, well, and I'll share this on Susan, uh, Sissy, because uh, we decided to create a meta video, a video of me doing the video implementation of the, the process, because I'd show a... Uh, uh, a correct sequence, uh, incorrect, correct, correct. And they would have to show me what they'd identify what was in the screen, all that. Well, he, I'm doing that, and Susan is standing behind me filming me talking to him, showing him the video on the screen. And he kept turning around looking at Susan, and he said, are you an angel? <laughs> he wanted to know if she was an angel. He could not keep his eyes off of her. But it was, well, that it was, was, about that 20, was so funny. It was 20, so plus funny. 20, pl- 20 plus years and 20 plus pounds ago, for sure. Oh. But yeah, <laughs> I will never forget when he said that. And he had this innocent voice. He just looked at me and goes, are you an angel? And I was like, no. God he love him. still mistake you for an angel. So. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so sweet. We, yeah, and we then the other one, wasn't the other one a student who, or maybe I just did this on my own. Uh, her name started with an H. We'll call her Holly. Oh, yes. I know who you're talking. Yeah. Did you ha- include her on the study, too? I know. I didn't include her in the study, but it was so funny because I remember going to her house and her mom said to her, said to me, said, if you can teach her how to do it, if you can get her to do housework and help me out, it would be fantastic. Please, please. And I said, okay. So I I just told her I was going to video her just so I could build the video. And she was a perfect (laughs) model doing everything she was supposed to and all that. Her mother turned around and looked at me and said, so all I need to do is get out a video camera and I would make her do her work. (laughs) And, uh, and that was pretty funny because she had no interfering behavior. She was right there, Perfect. exactly what she needed to do. And uh, record time, sweeping the kitchen floor. And her mother was standing there going, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was her in-home trainer for years um, in her middle, high school world. And um, one of the things, well, I was her in-home trainer, but I also consulted with the school. And one of the things that she would do is she had obsessive compulsive disorder and she would touch all of the plug corners of the plugs. And then she would kiss the fire hydrants. 
and and do something with the water fountains. I don't remember. And so I used video modeling with her just to get her to walk down the hall, you know, to show her walking down the hall is appropriate and walking down the hall when you're doing all these obsessions, you know, and she hated that video. She hated it. We didn't even move forward with it because she was, it was like a punishment to her. If she watched the video of her walking down the hall, doing her, um, obsessions. She hated it. So it was like, Oh, okay. That didn't work out very well, but that's what we say in behavior, right? Yeah, it's it's science. Like, it's not an exact science. Thinking about like video modeling, there are reasons there are children that it's good for and children that it's not good for. Exactly. It's not just a blanket. Everybody does video modeling, but, but when you think about like, if you've ever videoed yourself teaching or presenting and you watch it, you learn. It's very humbling. It's <laughs> yes, very humbling. It is humbling. Yeah, that's what, uh, remember Robin, who worked with us, who has since passed away, Robin had done a paraeducator study using self as a model, did the same thing, and what was what would happen is immediately, as soon as they saw themselves, she said, it would, the, the curve, the baseline went from blank to off the charts, because she said, you know, God, all they have to do is see themselves, and they could do it. You know, it wasn't quite that way with uh, the students I was working with on my uh, my study. But once they got the hang of it, it was they they really they tried to boom it. Is what they would one of them would tell me like a sonic boom. Yeah, did I do it fast enough? Was it a sonic boom? Did I boom it, Mary? <laughs> that was that was that is exactly how that young man was. Everything was about yeah decibels, um, mm-hmm. how loud things are. Yeah. I love that kid. So, so Mary, going back to U of H Victoria, so if somebody is listening and wants to consider getting their master's, what do they have to do? Just go online and sign up? Yeah, or? Certainly, they can, uh, uh, they can always call me and, or call any of us that, to advise them on the different programs. But, yes, we have a pretty extensive uh, website, uh, web pages that describe the different programs. And of course, you know, just like anything else, yeah, you apply Texas on through our website and and uh, to get into the program. You know, there's GPA requirements, of course. And right now, we've been waiving the GRE requirements. Really? Yeah, that's kind of the. I think a lot of universities are going that way. And with COVID, people couldn't mm-hmm. even get in to get it. Te- couldn't even take the test. Sure. So right now, we're we may or may not bring that back. I was and just we look at to... other data points instead, like uh, GPA interviews, looking at, you know, other uh, queries when we talk to them about their background. And, um, you know, if they look like they're a good choice, man, we welcome them with open arms. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's cool that it's all online. Is it all asynchronous or is there some synchronicity to it. These are, they're all async in the ABA program, asynchronous. So they're typical or traditional online classes. It's so funny to hear people say traditional online classes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so um, yeah, but we, um, we had to pivot over to synchronous uh, online classes when uh, COVID was really at its max for our face-to-face classes. And uh, yeah. That's not always fun when you have a class of 30 and you can only see six. Oh, on screen. Yeah, <laughs> I know. On teams because we use teams when we're doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, they're traditional online classes. So they're asynchronous. Cool. <clears throat> Very cool. Our diagnostician uh, program does have some 
hybrid where there is some face-to-face classwork and then assignments and stuff, but uh, that's different. So Susan, it was so great to listen to Mary. Um, She is a wealth of knowledge and just such a kind person. I mean, it it feels good to talk to her. You can just tell right from talking to her just that she's just an amazing, an amazing educator, an amazing artist, great mom, great wife, um, great friend. Yeah. And I'm so glad, you know, that she talked about her dissertation because that was, gosh, plus 20, 20 plus years ago. And, you know, video modeling now is considered an evidence-based practice. So it's super cool that people were doing it even back then. Yeah. And it was researchers like her that made it, you know, an evidence-based practice, you know. Totally. So, So we have a question, right? Yes, we do. I will read it and we can discuss. So... In part one of the interview with Mary, she talked about the use of video self-modeling as her dissertation topic. In applied behavior analysis, video self-modeling and video modeling are A, antecedent packages, B, forms of stimulus control, C, forms of positive reinforcement, or D, forms of punishment. You got some tricky answers there. Now, (laughs) I think that video modeling happens before the behavior of interest, right? Yes. So, cases, yeah, we try to, yeah, we try to show them the expectations prior to something that's hard, like self care skills or social skills or play or, you know, just whatever's difficult for the student. We try to kind of front load them with the video to show them what we want them to do. So, yeah. So I could get rid of punishment and positive reinforcement because those happen after the behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good call. That's one way that I can eliminate a couple of options. Now I might use watching a video as positive reinforcement, but it wouldn't be video modeling or self modeling, you know, video self modeling. Right. All right. So now we are down to antecedent packages, a part of that, or stimulus control. And those are, I think stimulus control is, continues to be a confusing term um, for people. And you, I like the way you explain it best. Well, I mean, you think about, um, is the stimulus under control? Meaning, I say red, you touch red. That means you that stimulus red is under control and you understand red. I mean, understand is not an ABA term, but I, I point to. Well, you know, I think to one way I describe stimulus control is like when the phone rings, you enter the phone, right? Whereas like an S delta would be the phone rings and you answer the door. <laughs> Which I had a little girl who used to do that. Every time she'd walk by a phone, she'd pick it up and say hello. So her (laughs) behavior was not under stimulus control because of the stimulus that she should be responding to would be the phone ringing. Right. So um, the video self-modeling is not controlling the behavior. Right. So, but... It is something that they watch prior to before performing the behavior that increases the likelihood of the behavior happening, um, which is, you know, I mean, if 
video modeling is appropriate for them, then then it works that way. So I would consider that an antecedent package, something we do prior to that sets the child up for success. I mean, that's a simplistic kind of way to say it, but. But it um, is what it is. Yeah. And it is an antecedent package. And, you know, those of you that are listening, there are some really great resources out there. If you want to learn more about evidence-based practices, there's the National Autism Center that has broken them down into emerging and extensive research. And then there's also professional development center or something like that, (laughs) that also has a good breakdown of evidence and and research-based practices. So, yeah, uh, the thing is, you know, if, if I'm not a behavior analyst and I'm listening to all this stuff, it's still important information. It's not that whether you use you know, if you're a mom and a dad listening to this, you don't have to use antecedent package and stimulus control and positive reinforcement. But the thing to remember is there are things I can do before the behavior that sets my child up to be successful. There are things that I can do after the behavior that either strengthens the behavior or weakens the behavior if that's what I need it to do. Yeah. Um, and if I'm thinking about whether my child performs something, I might think, is this stimulus? under stimulus control. Does he understand it yet? Am I asking him to do something that he doesn't, it is not under stimulus control, but you know, in, in layman's turn, he doesn't understand yet. Doesn't so understand even if the directive, yeah. Yeah. And does he, does he get it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, those are, those are things that whether you're a behavior analyst or not, you can certainly think about that to change your own child's behavior or, or whoever, you know, if you're a babysitter. <laughs> yes. To help a kiddo. So, yeah, absolutely. Really great question, Susan. You got us, you got us some things we had to think about a little bit there. <laughs> keep those brain cells growing. Keep those dendrites pruning. <laughs> That's right. So thank you guys. Please come back next week. Mary is going to talk with us about a few things, but certainly about paraeducators and teachers and how critical those pieces are. Uh, And has some funny stories. She's got some great stories to share. She does have some great stories. And I think you'll hear in part two that I was actually a part of a grant that she was part of that she helped write. And I learned so much about paraeducators and co-teach and just so much from Mary um, over the years, but that was a really great experience. So welcome. We welcome you back next week. As always, please like, subscribe, share, or comment on social media and or rate and review us on the podcast app that you're using. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Bye.